to dive into topics on how to live a happier, healthier, more fit, and long lifespan, then you've come to the right podcast. Live in the dream with me, Coach Damian Evans. Together, we will explore the topics on all things health, fitness, and wellness. Together, we will be lifelong learners on this journey to living the ultimate dream. What up, dream team? Coach D here, coming at you from beautiful, sunny San Diego. Get ready to hear some megaphone shout-outs from some of the most amazing fitness and wellness experts out there. We're going to shout out the best health, fitness, and wellness information that we find. And in today's megaphone episode, we will be shouting out the author of the book, The Comfort Crisis. And I couldn't have enjoyed this book more. It is brutally accurate in its portrayal of what our world is currently going through. And after reading this, it solidifies itself as one of my top 10 favorite books that I've ever read, or at least in this case, listened to. We got a shout out, a huge shout out to Mr. Michael Easter. And Michael has a great newsletter. He sends out in in one of his most recent newsletters, he wrote an article called How to Be a Two Percenter. How to Be a Two Percenter. I read it and I definitely think it's worth sharing. So Mr. Michael Easter writes, two, that's the percent of people who take the stairs when they have also the option of taking an escalator. Two, once you see this, you can't unsee it. Once you know this, you can't unknow it. We are going to explore, one, the case for being a two percenter, two, why we have the other 98%, three, the problems with quote unquote exercise, and four, ways to become a two percenter. So why be part of the two percent club? Let's make a case for being a two percenter. Being a two percenter isn't really about just taking the stairs. It's about so much more. It's a metaphor for living. It's about saying yes to the little opportunities we have throughout the day to do the slightly harder thing. Because it turns out that sneaking in more activities into our day, taking the stairs, walking while on a phone call, parking in the furthest spot, and carrying our groceries, all of these can make a larger impact on our health and fitness than our workouts. Let me repeat that. According to research, all of those things, taking the stairs, walking while on a phone call, picking the furthest parking spot, and carrying your groceries, all those can make a larger impact on your health and fitness than your workouts. One study found this type of incidental activity can burn an extra 800 calories across a day. That's roughly the equivalent to an eight-mile run. Even shifting and fidgeting while sitting can burn as many as 400 more calories a day compared to just sitting stationary, and this is according to research at the Mayo Clinic. One thing that we've discussed on many episodes previous to this is that everyday movement is called NEAT, N-E-A-T, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, NEAT. And this is personally my favorite aspect of energy expenditure because it is the most easily manipulated and it can also have the biggest impact on your health goals. Movement is life. Another way to say this would be a lack of prolonged, consistent sedentary activity is life. There's power in NEAT, 
A few years ago, a group of scientists analyzed 1,200 studies on everyday activity. Stuff like walking briskly or mowing the lawn with an actual push mower, climbing the stairs, things of that nature. They discovered that racking up at least 150 weekly minutes of this kind of activity can reduce our risk of dying prematurely by more than 30%. Still, less than half of people hit this 150-minute recommendation. Less than half people hit this recommendation. Less than a quarter of people don't do any type of physical activity at all. Less than a quarter don't do any type of physical activity at all. They live their life as a sort of prolonged shuffle from bed to office chair to sofa and back to bed. And this is bad, right? Not a whole lot of things are good and bad. This is bad. Research shows that being sedentary now kills more people than obesity. Inactivity seems to mess up our energy regulating systems, leading to many different chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, you know the drill, etc., etc. You know, pretty much all of the leading causes of lack of health that we're experiencing today are a result of some sort of sedentary behavior. The more movement that we can sneak into our day, the more death resistant we will be. And it's more important to be a two percenter now than ever before. Activity levels plummeted by about 25% after the pandemic started. 25%. COVID-19 pounds or the quarantine 15, these are all sayings that people had, but those numbers are now even skyrocketing higher, and the names aren't as catchy or as fun as the COVID-19 pounds or the quarantine 15. They're not as fun with the current numbers that we're, that we're seeing with weight gain. So why do we have the other 98%? We shouldn't be surprised that only 2% of people take the literal and metaphorical stairs. And we shouldn't feel bad about it when we join the 98% and do the lazier thing. Evolution has wired humans to favor inactivity and feel uncomfortable under physical effort. Being lazy saves precious calories when food was harder to come by. Any person who exercised, uh, burned calories, built muscle, or improved their fitness for the sake of it, they would have just died off if they had exercised like that. They didn't have the calories to spare. The difference is that our ancestors, they were forced to be active. Anthropologists at Harvard said that humans were essentially professional athletes whose livelihood required us to be physically active. They didn't quote unquote work out because they spent most of their waking hours doing necessary not to die things that in today we would classify as quote unquote exercise. They spent their days digging, carrying, walking, and sometimes running, covering anywhere between five and 20 miles a day. It was a lot of work, but they did the bare minimum needed to survive. Here's a fun fact. Dancing was the closest thing that our ancestors had to exercise, but they viewed it as more of a social and a spiritual act. Today, our lazy wiring backfires in a world of desk jobs, in cars, escalators, 
delivery food services, appliances, and other things that help make our lives easier. The most successful inventions of the last 200 years are devices that reduce physical effort. Each new invention and new technology chips away at how much we move. For example, thanks to appliances, the average woman today burns roughly 2,500 fewer calories a week than she did in 1964. Just in 1964, a woman now burns 2,500 fewer calories a week just because of these appliances. And this is according to researchers at the University of South Carolina. I imagine men have experienced a similar 40-ish percent drop in calorie burn from household tasks, but the study, this study only looked at women. But in all, our early ancestors got about 14 times more physical activity than we do. 14 times. This caused them to burn about 40% more calories a day than us modern Westerners. Now, let's talk about the problems with, quote-unquote, exercise. What are the problems with exercise? Something funny happened once we realized that our new sedentary lifestyles were giving us strange new diseases like heart disease and diabetes that we hadn't seen. We invented exercise, and then we began seeing physical effort as a 30 or 60 minute thing that we do when we go to the gym, separate and distinct from our daily lives. This is just an accessory to what we normally do. And any exercise, of course, is going to be great. And I'm not suggesting anyone stop doing their workout or avoid going to the gym. I would never say that. You know me. I work out very often. The problem comes from being lazy the rest of the day. For example, people who have sedentary jobs like desk jobs, and then they go and they attack the gym like they used to work out back in the day when they were younger, those type of people have a far higher rate of back pain than the people who just sit all day long. And this is according to researchers that Michael Easter spoke with. So people that go have a, have a sedentary desk job and they go and they work out really hard, those people have more back pain than people who just sit all day long. Our sedentary lifestyles tend to throw off our movement and weaken important stabilizing muscles. And then when we go and we hit the gym, our backs just aren't ready for the spike in hard work. These researchers said that a better approach is to include more movement throughout your entire day. The modern zero to 60 style of exercise has also created what researchers call aerobic deficit syndrome, aerobic deficit syndrome. It happens when people who are generally sedentary do only short but high intense workouts. Think of an accountant who sits all day long and then hits the gym for a CrossFit or a Soul Cycle or a high intensity interval class. That's not going to have very good beneficial effects long term. This leads our bodies to adapt to only two speeds very slow or super fast. When we have to do something that's in the middle, like a long walk or a hike with the family, our hearts tend to get out of whack and we tire very quickly. Aerobic deficiency syndrome isn't as common in places like Europe. This is because people there are more likely to do the two-percenter stuff like walk or ride a bike to get different places. For optimal health, your heart needs extended time in the middle ground, not at rest, but also not maxed out. Think 
a long walk or a relaxed run or even a ruck, which is wearing a heavy backpack and just walking. In exercise geek terms, we call that training the aerobic system. Maxing out trains the anaerobic system, aerobic with oxygen, anaerobic without oxygen. Working each system provides unique benefits to our hearts. We also need to be conscious of how our exercise sessions impact our movement the rest of the day, right? Remember that humans are designed to save energy. Our bodies are really good at figuring out sneaky ways to earn back the calories we burn during exercise. For example, research shows that we are unconsciously ending up moving a little bit less on the days that we exercise. This nearly offsets our workout. Unless we're aware of this phenomenon and we actively try to get more everyday movement on our workout days as well. This is where having a step tracker, like the Aura ring is what I wear, the O-U-R-A ring, or the Fitbit, or the Garmin, or the iWatch, any of those things can really help with awareness. We can track to ensure we get enough everyday movement on our exercise days. Pedometers are also very helpful for weight loss. Our bodies naturally reduce our movement when we begin to lose weight, slowing the loss of weight loss. Remember that the data on any one tracker, it's going to have its inaccuracies. Its usefulness is when you can see a consistent reading of your movement each day and then have the ability to see the changes of your movement from day to day over time. So it's not so much about having a perfectly accurate step number. It's about having a consistent tracker that can tell you when your movement is extremely low or extremely high. And then when you're trying to make any changes, you can change from what your consistent average is as long as you use the same tracker. The hard part is wearing it consistently, of course, and for long enough time frame that you get some good data. You need to have a good average, but sometimes people don't wear their, their Fitbits or whatever long enough. They also are super motivating for some people who are numbers driven and have a good goal to shoot for when they look at the number on their watch. And this is me for sure. At least for me, I have a bunch of people that I coach and I have myself, and that's the case. When they have a number to shoot for, they're much more likely to take an extra 10-minute walk here or get out and move during their working breaks when they have the opportunity. So how can we become a two-percenter? How to be a two-percenter? It would be impossible to mimic the constant effort our ancestors faced. And I don't even think that we would want to. It doesn't even sound that desirable. Having the option of being lazy is really a blessing. Very few people who toil for their food actually want to do that. And I think all those women from 1964, I'm pretty sure that they probably would have preferred to have new appliances that saved them from that housework. Luckily, the more sedentary we are, the bigger benefits that we will see from being a two percenter. Consider this wild study finding. Older women who got 4,400 steps a day experienced a 50% less risk of dying during the research period compared to those who only logged 2,700 steps a day. So older women who got just under 5,000 steps a day, they experienced 50% less risk of dying than those who got 2,700 steps a day, about half of what they did. 
You can get that many steps with two 20-minute walks. If you can walk 20 minutes twice a day somewhere, you could even break it up into smaller walks, you would get this 4,400 steps a day. Unfortunately, this is just over the average of the of the average American right now. Here are some things that we can do to be a bit two percenter in order to get those steps. Obviously, take the stairs. We say this all the all the time. We all know we should do this, but we forget how powerful it can be. One study found that men who climbed 20 to 34 flights of stairs each week, 20 to 34 flights each week, experienced 38% fewer strokes than those who climbed 10 or fewer flights a week. Number two, you could sit on a stool or on the floor instead of a chair that has a back. Sit on a stool or on the floor. People who frequently sit without using a backrest have back and core muscles that are anywhere from 20 to 40% stronger. And this can help prevent and relieve back pain. If you watch TV or read every night or meditate, try doing it cross-legged while keeping your torso vertical. It's a lot harder than it looks, but the discomfort in your legs and back and core suggests that you have a relative weakness there. You should be able to sit cross-legged for a a little bit of time at least. You have to fix it. You'll be way better off. Maybe try this if you have chronic back pain to see if it goes away once you start to strengthen this position. This phenomenon also explains why people in developing countries who use fewer backrests and spend more time on the ground, well, those cultures and those people have lower rates of hip and back problems. Another way is to take walking breaks. So during your sedentary daily tasks, such as phone calls and meetings, take walking breaks. Beyond the calorie burn, people who walk to clear their minds perform better on creativity tests. They also report being more satisfied with their jobs. Walking allows your mind to wander to more creative places. Also, remember that you can always call into a Zoom meeting from your phone And go for a walk. You can have your screen on, but for me, I prefer to have it off if I don't have to have it on. I do this very often. I'll tell people, hey, I'm going to get on this Zoom call, but I'm going to have my screen off. I'll still talk. I have my headphones in and everything, but I'm at least moving. Another one, another huge one, and this is Michael Easter's favorite one. It's ruck while you insert a task. So ruck while you do some task. Remember, rucking is putting on a heavy backpack and just walking. Michael Easter likes to do this on the stair climber at the gym. He also lives in the desert of Vegas, so he likes to go um, hiking with his dog out in Vegas. In preparing to spend a month in the Arctic for the Comfort Crisis book, Michael Easter knew he had to get used to carrying a super heavy pack. So he'd do stuff like cleaning, vacuuming, household chores while wearing a heavy ruck, which is essentially a style of um, like a military backpack that or hunters wear. And it's really, really popular right now in the exercise field. Um, I myself, I currently ruck the beach at Torrey Pines and that Torrey Pines hike. I do that a couple times a week. So the huge steep hill going up to the very top and then all the way down to the beach, I'll just wear a backpack and I'll put some weight in it. He found it is so beneficial that he has continued this practice till present day. It'll help you burn two or three times, two or three times the calories of the actual exercise without the ruck. 
and it will also strengthen all the muscles of your core without bulking you up. So ruck while you do whatever task that you can with a ruck. Another one is carry. Carry whenever you can. You'll burn two or three times more calories than walking just by carrying something heavy. Carrying is also one of the best ways to train your core. It can improve your performance in any physical activity. There's an exercise called a farmer's carry where you pick up a heavy weight. Maybe it's one-sided or maybe it's both sides. Maybe it's overhead. There's a ton of different variations, but all you do is then you just walk with the heavy weight. It's great exercise for core stability, your endurance, and overall strength gain. When you walk, walk with a sense of being level, being stable, um, taking each step and being very aware of each step and making sure that you're not just uh, going around, just like you would do with any exercise, you would make sure that you have good form and that you're under control the whole time. And another thing to do to be a two percenter is to establish a buy-in, establish a buy-in. We all have a questionable habit or maybe two or three that we love. For example, binging Netflix or scrolling Instagram, Michael Easter's vice or, or habit is diet soda. Don't ask him how many ounces of soda he drinks a day. That's his vice. Before he drinks a diet soda, he has to establish a buy-in. So he has to make himself do a bout of exercise before he can pop open a can of diet soda. So for example, he will do a 60 second plank or 20 pushups and it all adds up, right? Speaking of adding up, here's a full breakdown of the calorie burn of 10 minutes of the following activities. So the next list you're going to hear is an adding up of calories for 10 minutes of whatever this activity is. Using a stand-up desk, 17 calories every 10 minutes. Walking to a meeting, 40 calories every 10 minutes. Cleaning or fixing up around the house, 47 calories. Chopping or stacking wood, 109 calories every 10 minutes. So yeah, as it gets a little bit more intense, you start burning more calories. Yard work is up to 55 calories per 10 minutes, which about the same carrying some light groceries, oh, distance to your car, 50 calories every 10 minutes. Cooking only about 34 calories, but that could add up because you're cooking for more than 10 minutes, right? Dancing, a huge 106 calories every 10 minutes which is a totally underrated form of stress relief as well. Playing with your kids and your dogs, up to 79 calories per minute. Even just fidgeting while sitting, 25 calories per minute for 10 minutes. That's pretty good. If you walked briskly at a four and a half mile per hour pace, which is definitely a brisk walk, you're walking like you're in a hurry, that's almost 100 calories every 10 minutes. And then climbing stairs, 120 calories, huge, huge every 10 minutes. Climbing stairs is one of the best things you can do. If you li- if you work on the first floor, instead of going to the bathroom or the water fountain on your floor, if you have the opportunity, go climb some stairs up or down because you're going to have to go up or down to get back to your office and you're going to get some good benefits from that. Maybe every 30 minutes you take a two minute break or every 60 minutes you take a five minute break. And these figures, these numbers that I just read out are for a 180 pound person. Thanks for listening, and please accept this invitation to join the Two Percenter Club. If you're not already in it, of course. If you are in the Two Percenter Club, share this with someone in your life that you would love to be a part of this club with. 
I highly recommend you also checking out Michael Easter's book, The Comfort Crisis. It was entertaining, educational, eye-opening, and, and really most of all, it was just illuminating on all of the little tiny comfort creeps we humans in the first world are experiencing as our technology and our society advances forward into this futuristic unknown. Better yet, get his audiobook, download it on Audible, and if you haven't used Audible before, you get your first book for free, so this would be a great one to start with, and get some movement in, maybe go ruck outside while you listen to The Comfort Crisis. And that's it, my friends, for this week's Megaphone episode. Each week, we'll focus on sharing information that will help you with your health, fitness, and wellness journey. Share the knowledge that you've gained with your friends and family and hold each other accountable. If you enjoyed this content, it helps a ton if you could post on your social media stories a screenshot of this episode and write one takeaway that you learned and make sure that you tag me and share your journey. Tag me at livingthedream underscore podcast or at coachdamian underscore SD and let me and your network know how this episode has benefited you. Let's get more people on this lifelong learner train and join the Live in the Dream team. And let me know if you have any suggestions or tips that will help your Live in the Dream team that we can discuss on future episodes. I will be right here with you working on making us stronger, happier, and healthier humans. Until next time, friends, keep living the dream.